Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here. It's good to see more and more people coming back and being able to be here in person. I know we still have people tuning in online, too, to the sermons every week, so we are glad that you are tuned in online. Two, on the screen, I have a reminder about Vacation Bible School. This year, what we're going to be doing is instead of doing like a week-long one because we didn't know who all is coming back and all that kind of thing, uh, we're doing a one-day, super awesome, greatest event of your entire life, better than Disneyland, I mean, all kind of stuff, okay? So August 7th, 10 to 12 p.m., we're going to be having our super Saturday Kids Day Vacation Bible School all in a two-hour block. So it's going to be like fun-filled, information-packed, so much prayer and singing, and it's going to be amazing. But we need your help with this. So it's going to be announced again, but I'm announcing it too, that after services, if you can help in any way with Vacation Bible School, you, I can give you a job where you don't even have to talk to kids. You can be in charge of putting napkins by pizza. I mean, easy stuff, okay? Uh, but we need lots of volunteers because we're going to do little carnival games too. We're going to have all sorts of lessons, puppets and things. So we need help. So if you can help with that after services, Come up toward these front um, rows and volunteer, which, by the way, Zinni's going to be taking down the names of those that want to volunteer. So you're not letting me down. You're letting Zinni down. Yeah. And everybody loves Zinni. So um, that's coming up August 7th, but we're having a meeting after services um, here this morning. Other things, like I mentioned this morning, we, you know, we finished up Bible camp over a week ago, but it was a good week. Um, some improvement projects are coming down the pipe right now that we're going to be a part of. Um, so I'll announce more about that uh, maybe in next week. But it's going to make camp a whole lot cooler. Um, but this morning, what I want us to do is with our theme being renewed, and we're talking about renewing zeal, renewing our excitement, renewing our commitment, specifically renewing even uh, our, our church life because we got separated from that a lot, you know, in 2020, I want to ask a question this morning. And the question is this, why does the church exist? Now, that's kind of an interesting question because we know, well, the building's here because that's where we go. But it's more than that, right? Why does the church exist? What's our purpose? Why did God create this? And I don't even like using the word institution, but, but why did he create this? Why does the church exist? Now, there's a lot of biblical answers to that question. I mean, we can say, well, the church exists to be a light to the world. That's true. We understand that. We're supposed to be a city on the hill that cannot be hid. We spread the light of Jesus to the world. We make the world a better place by loving people, by serving them, by helping them, right? That's true. That's a fair answer. Um, why does the church exist? The church exists to be an earthly representation of the kingdom of God. Okay, that, that, that's biblical. You know, we serve Jesus, the true king, and you can become part of the kingdom that will last for eternity. We understand that idea. That is also a biblical answer, but that's not exactly... I don't think that that fits in our minds so much with the responsibility that we have as part of the church. A couple weeks ago, in a bulletin article, I shared a quote, and I want to share with it on the screen. It's from an article I found on five reasons why your church might not be growing by a guy that says a lot of statistics and stuff like that about churches. And this was a point that stood out to me I like. He says, we will have to treat our membership in our churches as missionaries to the community instead of country club membership. That's one of those lines that kind of smacks you pretty good because we have a tendency to view the church kind of as our own personal country club. Then he goes on to say this, 
He says, biblical membership is not about getting our perks, privileges, and preferences. It's about sacrificing self for the gospel. That's true. Being part of the church is, oh, well, I'm part of the church because the church gives me all these things. They put on an amazing vacation Bible school on August 7th that I'm going to volunteer for. That's not why we're part of the church, right? It's more than that. It's a responsibility. It is a commitment. We're not part of some kind of country club. We're part of the body of Christ. And there was a verse that stood out to me that actually Brother Kenny read on Monday during Monday Night for the Master. It was from Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, which I think encapsulates this idea of why the church exists. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count one another or others as more significant or more important than yourselves. So I was having all those ideas kind of spin around in my mind, trying to come up with an answer to this question, why does the church exist? Well, with all that in mind, and the point I want to prove this morning is this. The reason the church exists, the reason we exist, is we exist for each other. Think about that thought. We exist for each other. See, the church is not this place. The church is not this building. The church is us as people. You write that we always tell the kids the church is in the building, the church is the people, right? Well, we as the church exist for each other. Now, let me prove that to you this morning because remember, our theme or our purpose statement as a church for the last 10 years has been, you know, to love our Lord, our community, and each other, but sometimes we forget that and we need to be reminded from the text. So, what we've been doing on Sunday mornings is we've been going through the book of Acts. And our whole idea was looking at how the early church turned the world upside down. Well, in the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning, in Acts chapter 20, we see this idea of the church existing for each other. If you're new to our study, the book of Acts tells the history of early Christians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those books in the Bible, all are biographies of Jesus. Acts is about what did Jesus' followers do after Jesus ascended into heaven waiting his final return. It's about what did our brothers and sisters do to spread Christianity. That's the book of Acts. It's the history of that. It highlights the works of two main preachers like Peter and Paul, and we're following Paul right now in our text this morning. But in Acts chapter 20, in verse 31, we just finished up a section where Paul, a preacher, is telling church leaders, they're called elders there, they're also referred to as, as pastors or shepherds or overseers, he's talking to them and encouraging them to watch out for the flock, that's us, to watch out for our brethren to make sure that we don't fall into false ideas and sin and so on. Well, in verse 31, as Paul is talking to these church leaders, here's what he says. He says, therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish um, each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So this is Paul's final address to these church leaders. He's about to leave. He's going to sail away, okay? And before he does that, he sets them down and he gives them these specific instructions and this specific encouragement. Well, in this first section right here, what does he do? He tells them how much he cares for them. Look at verse 31 again. Be on the alert, remembering that night and day, for a period of three years, I did not stop teaching you. 
not stop correcting you. That's how committed Paul was to these people. He cared for them because he didn't exist just for himself. He existed for them. He says, night and day, for three years, I worked with you. You're like, well, Cliff, you've been here like 15. We can't get rid of you, but I'm not, work, I'm not preaching to you night and day. Paul said he did it night and day. I know he's kind of exaggerating, but, you know, we understand. He says, I did not cease to admonish you. He says, and I commend you, and I'm worried about you. He says, with tears, he says, to build you up and give you that inheritance among all the saints. He wants the brethren there to know how much he cares about them. See, a good relationship with our church family is that, where it's not hard for us to work night and day for years to help each other out. That's not an unusual thing for us. That's what we do because we care about each other. Paul cared for and encouraged his church family. Why? Because he existed for them. We exist for each other. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 33. It says, I have coveted no one's silver, gold, or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my own needs and to the men who are here with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now you might be thinking, well, Paul's bragging here. No, here's what he's telling them. He's showing them how much he cares for them. He laid it out there. He says, I've cared for you so much. I've labored with you. I've worked with you. I've admonished you for three years, night and day. He goes, and in fact, I, with my own hands, worked. You know, he was, we use that term, he was a tent-making preacher. Well, he actually made tents, right? He, he engaged in business out there to have his needs met. He said, I never asked for help. I, I, I didn't, you know, take anything. I took care of myself, and I took care of those around me. He sacrificed for them. He didn't want his, 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 you know, needing funds and support to be a stumbling block in some way. In other places, Paul did take money. Here he says he didn't. We don't know all the situation. But notice what he did, though. He sacrificed. He said, I took care of my needs. I showed you in my example that what working hard can accomplish. What's the point? The point is he saw an opportunity to do something for someone else, and he took it. He was willing to sacrifice, and actually on top of preaching and teaching, doing this side job, all of that, so that he wouldn't be a burden to these brethren. He cared about them that much. I don't know about you, but we have a hard time sacrificing for people sometimes. I do. I'm like, well, that's kind of inconvenient. I mean, it's not even a matter of sacrifice. It's, well, that interrupts my routine. That messes up my schedule. That interferes with what I want to do today. Paul sacrificed for his church family. Let's keep going, verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. He cared for them. He sacrificed for them. But he also prayed with them and for them. When's the last time you prayed with a brother or sister? And I'm not talking about just in a church service. But you were talking to somebody and in, con in conversation, something came up. You go, you know what? Let's pray. You put your arm around them and you pray with them. When was the last time you called someone up on the phone and before you ended the conversation, you said, hey, can I, can I pray for a second over the phone? Which, by the way, you're allowed to do that, okay? If you didn't know, you can pray over the phone. You know, do something like that. When was the last time we prayed for each other? When was the last time we told somebody, I'll be praying for you, and then actually did it right afterwards instead of just typing the little prayer emoji, right? Paul prayed for his church family. He cared for them. He sacrificed for them. He prayed with them. 
And then look what happens. See, we exist for each other. And when someone cares for you, sacrifices for you, prays for you, what's your relationship with that person like? Look at verse 37. It says, and they begin to weep aloud. They cried. He's talking to grown men here too for the most part. They're weeping. And they embraced Paul. And they repeatedly kissed him, which I'm accustomed, I'm glad we don't do, but I mean, if you know, they did kiss back then. I'm not a big kisser. I kiss my wife and some of you I really don't want to, but uh, we can hug all we want, okay? Hug and handshake. But look what they did. They wept out loud and they were affectionate toward him. They kissed him. And you can picture, you know, that kind of Eastern Mediterranean culture kiss and kiss side to side, that idea here. That, that's what they did. They loved him. They cared for him. And verse 38, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken and that they would not see his face again and they were accompanying him to the ship. They're like, we thought we're not going to see you again. They're, they're sad that he's leaving. They walk him to the boat as he's about to leave and they're crying and they're affectionate toward him because they loved him. They loved him. It started, though, with the fact that this reciprocal relationship where they existed for one another. Paul cared for them. He sacrificed for them. He prayed with them. And because of that, in return, they loved him. You want to know why sometimes we might not be as close as we should be as a church? Are we caring for one another? Are we sacrificing for one another? Are we praying for each other? If we are, that love will happen. You want to make contacts out there in the community and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Care for them, sacrifice for them, and pray with them, and they'll love you too. And you'll have an opportunity to build them up. We exist for each other. Paul existed for these Ephesian brethren, and they existed for him. They understood what this was all about. When was the last time you wept because of one of your brethren? When was the last time you shed a tear because of a fear that you just might not see them ever again? They loved Paul, and Paul loved them. They loved each other. They understood what it meant to exist for one another. So why does the church exist? Why are we here? We're here for each other. Yes, absolutely, we're here for God. We know that. I know greatest command in the law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. We get that. But a second is like unto that. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus said. And the way we represent that love is in here. Not just in this building, but in this community of believers that's where this needs to be shown of a group of people that, wow, you know what? I, I, I got to meet some Christians in Visalia the other day, and they care so much about each other. They, they sacrifice for each other. They pray for each other. They love each other. You know, I've had people before visit our church service, and the greatest compliment I think I've ever had on a church answering machine was them telling me we were really impressed with how loving everybody was. That's what we want, right? And we want to keep growing that idea exponentially. That's why we exist. And even Jesus said, they'll know that you are my, my disciples because you have what? Love for one another. Jesus wants us to love. Paul here represented that love. They loved each other. How did they do it? Think about it. They cared for one another. How could we do that? Many different ways. Well, it was mentioned this morning in the announcement, some ways that we could care for one another. This person could use some cards. This person could use some prayers. This person could use some visitation. We can care for one another. 
This person might be going through a rough spot. Let, let's give to them. These people might be lonely. Let's visit them. By the way, anytime you see somebody alone in a church building, that's an emergency. We talked about that at Bible camp. I said, look, anybody alone at Bible camp is an emergency. We go talk to them and make them feel cared for and loved. Care for your brethren. Pray for your brethren. And don't just, not just in passing, but ask them and genuinely Think about what they're going through or what they could use. Maybe it's just a prayer of joy with them. Man, God, I'm thankful for my brother so-and-so here for putting them in my life. They're awesome. Let us serve you better. I mean, it can be simple. Pray for one another. If you don't know how to do that, we got church directories. And we even have an app, okay, where you can do it, okay? Go through the directory go, hmm, I'm going to start with the A's. Aguirre, I haven't prayed for them today. Let's go. Moving on. B, Barone, let's pray for them. Let's keep going. That might have not been completely in alphabetical order, but you get the point, right? We have people. You can pray for them sacrifice for each other. Do stuff for your brethren when it's inconvenient for you. Give up of something that you want for the betterment of somebody else. Instead of spending that money on yourself, spend it on someone else. Care for, pray for, and sacrifice for each other because the reason we exist, the reason God made the church, we exist for each other. So this morning, let's renew that kind of commitment in our mind. Let's renew a love for each other. Let's renew a sacrificial spirit for one another. Let's renew a caring attitude for one another. And let's renew an excitement for prayer when it comes to each other. That's what we see modeled here in Acts chapter 20. Our brethren, the early church Christians, just like us, you know what they did? They existed for one another. And we should too. Let's renew that attitude today. Now, I know Steve um, selected an invitation song. We haven't done an invitation song in a while, but the invitation of God is always open. You don't have to come forward at the end of a church service to tell people you want to become a Christian. You text me anytime, night or day, and we'll take care of it or call me, visit me, knock on my door. And any of the other brethren here will be glad to help you at any time that you need prayer, that you want to become a child of God, or that you need help in any way. But right now, we are offering invitation. If anybody does need to come forward and needs anything this morning, I'll be up here. Maybe one of the elders will too. But right now, let's all stand as together we sing our invitation song. Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating, and God bless. Thank you.